I'm Damian Bolwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, a big pandemic reversal. Stanford is reinstating 11 sports programs, or every single one that the university cut about 10 months ago. The sports include field hockey, wrestling, men's volleyball, synchronized swimming, and squash. Our sports columnist, Ann Killian, has been covering the controversial decision to cut the sports from the beginning. She's been raising questions not only about the financial need of the cuts, but about exacerbating long-standing problems with gender equity. Anne is here. Anne, how are you? I'm great, Damien. How are you? I'm good. Anne, you were a squash uh, player in college, were you not? <laughs> I was not a squash player, nor was I a fencer. Okay, bad information. I fence with Anne... my pen. <laughs> Very good. Anne, were you expecting this news and what happened? I was starting to feel optimistic in the past couple of weeks. Um, there were some developments that happened. The administration um, of Stanford, athletic director, president, uh, provost, decided to finally meet with this group, 36 Sports Strong, that is a unified group of Stanford alumni who just did kind of amazing work through this whole process. But they finally met with them in early April. And that's kind of when the the tide started to turn, because suddenly there was this opening where they could present their arguments, present their plan to self-endow these sports, kind of show that there is a different solution to this. And really, they were kind of being stonewalled until that point. Stanford, um, in their release today, made that seem like like it wasn't the case, but it, they were really having a hard time scheduling meetings, actually getting people to listen to them. And I think what really, if you look at the timeline, this decision was made in July, right in the teeth of the fear of the pandemic. And then kids weren't allowed back on campus. Uh, no sports were allowed in the fall except football. And as we know, football is kind of a separate animal from the rest of college athletics. And <clears throat> so there was no... It was kind of silent, and I and frankly, I think that's what what Stanford was kind of aiming for. That they had the cover of the pandemic with this decision, and there wasn't a, a gathering of students on campus. There wasn't any kind of movement. But then we flipped the calendar to January, and these students start coming back to campus, and they start being able to participate in their sports. And they start winning. Um, and I think a real turning point was when Shane Griffith won a national championship in wrestling, just the second in the 104-year history of the program. And he did it in a black singlet, turned inside out, so the Stanford name did not show. The, the people in the stands in St. Louis were chanting just boomingly loud. You could hear it on television if you wanted to watch. Um, keep Stanford wrestling, keep Stanford wrestling. And and in his post-game uh, interview, he very much used it as a platform to protest the, the decision. And that got so much attention across the country. And then other teams started to win. Um, the the synchronized swimming team also slated for the, the cutting board was, uh, they won a national championship. The field hockey team went as far in the NCAA tournament as they ever had. And all these teams were doing it with the Stanford name blacked out and and really using whatever platform they could have um, with the media and social media to e express their their how upset they were, how wrong they thought this decision was, how it was a betrayal of so many things, and and just uh, 
it was not the Stanford way. I heard that over and over again. This is not the Stanford way. Stanford is a problem-solving institution, and they're not solving this problem. And I just think all of that bad publicity started to mount. Um, there was plus the the, the financial situation. Um, if you look at the what the markets have been doing in the last year, the rich have gotten richer, and Stanford is the rich. I mean, they are the very rich. They're one of the richest schools in the country. So all of a sudden, the financial situation wasn't as dire. The 36 sports strong people did a great job of, of presenting an alternate path of, of getting pledges of millions of dollars to help save the sports and self-endow them. So all those factors came together and it just became clear that either Stanford stuck by its guns and did this kind of short-sighted thing that was not going to balance their athletic budget, not by a long shot, or they could reverse course and do what their alumni consider the appropriate Stanford way of doing things. And you mentioned that they did it under cover. And, and I just wonder why Stanford would want to get rid of any sports to begin with. What is the, what, what was the motivation? Well, Stanford has more varsity sports than just about any other school, especially a division one school. Um, I think Ohio state has uh, maybe a couple more. Um, I, some Ivy league programs have a couple more, but they don't have athletic scholarships. So they, they also now have an administration um, that is not particularly sports-connected, according to alumni who remember back in the old days when the president of the university would welcome them in and be at their games, and that doesn't really happen very much anymore. So I think the board just probably looked at the number of sports and said, well, we have to cut somewhere, and why not cut these little sports that nobody really cares much about? The flip side of that, though, is that Stanford gets tons of publicity off being this elite home of champions institution and uh, pipeline to the Olympics. So you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't get all that great PR for having won all these championships and then decide, well, we're going to be just like, uh, I don't know, USC or Arizona State and, and cut ourselves down to, um, you know, 20 sports and leave it at that. So the sports do lose some money and, and there are, and I imagine that some sports make money, including football, but it raises big equality issues. Well, I don't know that these sports lose money. I mean, you've got to ask the question is what are college sports all about? Are they supposed to create revenue? I mean, that was certainly never the model in the beginning. And because of this vast amount of money that comes into football primarily and, and basketball to a lesser degree, there is now this divide between revenue-producing sports and non-revenue-producing sports. And that's, one, it is sexist because the women's sports are not going to be revenue-producing revenue by and large. But also, it's just, what is, what is the college experience supposed to be about? You know, are you, are you looking at, at using students to create money for the university or are you looking to give them an experience and then also have that pride if they go on and win a championship or win an Olympic medal and, and thank, you know, your university by name. So it, it really comes down to this philosophical issue that is going on throughout college sports is what is, what is college sports really supposed to be about? And I would say, you know, as a parent and, and as someone who's covered sports for a long time, I don't think it should be about only revenue producing. And what this group, 36 Sports Strong, is trying to do is 
present a model where they can self-endow, and then all the football revenue can stay and fund all those athletic administrators and and all that stuff that goes on in the athletic department. Given that football obviously was staying, how much of an equity issue did this decision raise? Well, there is recently last last week, in fact, a, a a lawsuit was two lawsuits were filed against Stanford on this issue, and one of them is a Title IX lawsuit because some of the teams eliminated are women's teams, and um, while Stanford has historically done a better job with Title IX balance than virtually any other school, in part because they do offer so many sports, um, there's still an imbalance. And so uh, it would have only been exacerbated. Um, you know, field hockey told me they, they, they can barely scrimmage against each other, whereas some teams have much, women's teams have bigger rosters. But still, football, you know, just tips the balance so heavily in one direction. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to have more with Ann Killian on Stanford's decision to reinstate a number of sports that it was cutting in the pandemic right after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by sports columnist Ann Killian, who's been writing about Stanford's decision to cut sports, which they reversed this week. Ann, I want to ask you about the reaction on Tuesday. Uh, What was the immediate reaction to Stanford coming out and and making this decision? Well, for the athletes on campus, there was just, you know, celebrations in the dorms and, and, uh, you know, they... We broke the story um, in the morning, a couple hours before the official announcement. And so it was out there on social media. And and suddenly there were these celebrations going on in the dorms. People's parents were calling them because they'd seen it. So that was great. Um, And I think the reaction throughout college sports is one of, um, I don't know if relief is too strong a word, but if... The problem is if Stanford, the, you know, one of the richest institutions that there is, could make this decision, then how is, or how are these sports expected to be funded by less wealthy institutions? And that really became an issue, especially when you talk about the Olympic movement. That's a whole other thing is that these, a lot of these sports, it's college development that creates our Olympians. We do not have, like other countries do, these training programs that young athletes get into. They go to college and hone their sport. Look at Katie Ledecky, the greatest, you know, this summer, she should be the greatest story in the Olympic Games. Um, She went to Stanford to swim, you know, she didn't go to some training program. So I think there's a lot of relief uh, around the the various sports. Um, Yeah, I think I think it was viewed as a as a great decision. And that one, you know, the fact that a school that's powerful and rich, could reverse its decision, I think, is well accepted. So what happened to the athletes? I mean, you had all these these athletes whose sports were being cut. I mean, some of them were probably freshmen, sophomores, incoming. Did some of them leave? Did they not know what was going to happen? Well, it's been totally chaotic for them. I mean, absolutely chaotic. And and they uh, many of them entered the transfer portal, which is where they have an opportunity to talk to other schools in situations like this without being penalized. 
many of them, I mean, virtually every kid I talked to had taken on this enormous course load because they still wanted the Stanford degree, even if they chose to go and play somewhere else and use their eligibility somewhere else. So they were trying to uh, finish up their degrees while trying to talk to other teams, while trying to compete, while trying to deal with a pandemic. It's been a, it's been a really chaotic year. And then for many of the kids who did get their degrees already, a lot of them can use eligibility and enter a graduate program. But this decision has come so late that many of the deadlines for those graduate programs have now passed and they're, they're closed. So there's going to be some question of whether Stanford can re- relax some of those deadlines and get some of these kids into programs uh, where they can work on a degree. Because who can go to Stanford, you know, for free? Just I mean, who can pay that Stanford degree w- if you're not actually getting a class, who can pay that tuition? So there's a lot of questions still to be decided. One of the coaches, Jason Borelli, the wrestling coach, did accept a job at another place. He went to an American University. Um, so, you know, people's lives were in chaos, and now they're trying to sort it all out. But as one of the athletes told me, you know, it's yes, it's going to be crazy, but it's a good kind of crazy because at least everyone now has options. And what about the university? Did, did they have a lot to say on Tuesday about no. the decision and, and what led to it? No, um, they've been very closed mouth throughout this entire thing. Um, they did not make either Bernard Muir, the athletic director, or Mark Tessier-Levine, the president, available to me. Um, now, part of that might be because these two lawsuits are pending, so they have to be super careful about everything they say going forward. But they've really, um, they announced it to the students in the same way they announced the cuts, which is like giving them a 15-minute warning to get on a uh, webinar and have a two-minute um, uh, you know, speech about what was happening. So um, I, I, I do think Stanford Communications could use some improvement. Maybe they'll learn some lessons. But yeah, it's it's been it has not been uh, handled as as smoothly as you would think from an institution like that. Both from the beginning announcement to today's reversal, uh, I don't think they ever anticipated the kind of blowback they were going to get from their own alumni. Maybe the ones from the 11 sports, but the fact that all 36 sports banded together to really push back. And some people who didn't have anything to do with sports, just a lot of uh, alumni, deep-pocketed alumni. I heard from former members of the Board of Trustees. I mean, there were a lot of people who were very upset about how this decision was handled. The last thing I want to ask you, Anne, is just about yourself. You you uh, approached the story. You've written a lot about it. You took it on and tried to dig into the decision a lot. Why was it a big story for you? And and what kind of things were you hearing as you kept writing about? Well, it was I think it was a big story because I mean, I, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. I have family members who went to Stanford. I um, I I know how wealthy the school is. I know how deep the connection is with most of the alumni. And I know how shocked a lot of people were at this decision. One of the first people to call to, to me about it was Jennifer Azy, who I've known for years um, the basketball player who's, you know, won a national championship for Stanford and loves Stanford more than anything. And she was just stunned that her university did this. So there was this kind of deep sense of betrayal. Um, Stanford's a very wealthy institution and they their economic reasoning was not making any sense. Um, they were, it, it was funny because they were taking on their own products, you know, Stanford students 
are taught to logically think and to investigate and to and to fight for what's right and to stand up for themselves. And that's what these alumni did in really organizing this effort. It was it was a you know, it was Stanford versus Stanford. Um, and I also kind of felt that with the pandemic that they they wanted it to go away. They wanted it to not they didn't want people really writing about it. They would just have preferred that that it they made the announcement and it kind of quietly went away and nobody paid any more attention. But, um, you know, I was happy to pay attention because I think it was a good story and I think they ended up doing the right thing. All right. Well, Ann Killian, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle sports columnist Ann Killian. You can find all of her work at sfchronicle.com. Thanks to King Kaufman and Cecilia Lay for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.